0: How you doing today Good. hey it's it's okay to talk back how you doing today Good. It's that's right. not a silent question you can speak right out loud hey I'm really glad you're here today welcome to the bridge church thanks for worshiping with us today if this is your first time at the bridge we want to extend a special welcome to you we're really glad that you are here and we know there are a lot of great churches in this valley and we just are honored you're here with us today so if you have any questions today Out that first set of doors to your right, there's an info center. They can answer any questions you might have. There's some good everyday people like you and me there. They'd love to answer your questions. Tell you how you can get more connected here at The Bridge Church. So we're really glad you're here. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or you can download our church app and stay in tune with everything happening here. We just want you to know we're glad you're here today. We put our hands together and welcome all of our (laughs) first-time guests. God bless you today and actually right now during second service connecting point is going on over in our chapel area and people are getting connected with the bridge and find out how they can be the bridge so thanks again for being here today uh, i want to continue this series that i started last week we're going to dive right into god's word we're going to start in the first chapter of the bible today genesis chapter one we're talking about the power of a seed you know a seed is tiny But its potential, its power is amazing. And the illustration that I used last Sunday, I love driving up into the hills just west of Temecula and Murrieta, up into Deleuze area or over to La Cresta, because you see these great California oaks, these huge oak trees. And they're, they're so majestic and so amazing. And they've been around for 100, 150, 200 years, maybe more and it's just amazing to see how those things grow but what's more amazing is to pick up one of those acorns one of those seeds that fall off of those trees and to realize that that tree grew from that seed or if i could say it this way everything needed to make that giant oak tree is found right there in that seed a seed is powerful it has amazing potential I want to take just a few moments and backtrack to what I shared last week. Just real quickly, if you weren't here, I won't take time to re-preach the message. Go back and listen to it, because it was really good stuff, if I may say so. But we're, we're laying a foundation for, from God's Word for where we're going to go the next few weeks, talking about the power of a seed. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And there's two important things about a mustard seed. First of all, it's tiny. It's one of the smallest of all seeds. But yet from that mustard seed that Jesus talked about, a plant would grow that would be not only a small plant or a shrub, but it actually could become a tree. And there are birds and other animals that can come and nest and live in its branches. And what Jesus was saying was God plants his kingdom in people's hearts And then it grows and grows and grows until it begins to fill all of the earth. And the second thing that's important about a mustard seed is that though it's tiny, once it begins to grow, it's almost impossible to kill one of those mustard plants. So Jesus, in talking about the kingdom of God being a mustard seed, we talked about three questions last week and spent a little bit of time answering the questions. Number one, what is the kingdom of God? You hear us talk about the kingdom of God. You read in Scripture Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. He came sharing the message of the kingdom of God. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Go back and listen to the message and you'll know what it is. Number two, Jesus said to seek the kingdom of God. Why do I need to seek the kingdom of God? If it's here, if it's among us, why do I need to seek it? And then number three, how do I go about seeking it? The kingdom of God. We discussed all of this in last week's message and then finally we finished last week's message talking about the fact that with God amazing things often have small beginnings. You know we, we live in the day and age where we want amazing things huge things right now but with God and his kingdom big things usually come from small beginnings but the power of a seed requires reception it requires nurturing and it requires patience because a seed demands process now today I want to dive right into God's Word in just a moment in Genesis chapter 1 and I want to continue laying the foundation because after today we're going to start really diving into the power of the seed but I I need to take this day to finish laying the foundation for what we're going to be teaching So today I'm going to read several different passages of scripture. Normally on Sunday morning, I'll read a couple of passages with you, but I'll refer to several verses. Today we're going to read several scriptures because I want you to see it for yourself and get it in your heart that we understand the power of a seed. And today's message, I'm going to talk about two main thoughts. Number one, I want to talk about the law of the seed, the law of the seed. Some people will call it the law of sowing and reaping. Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning of the Bible at creation. We're going to start reading Genesis 1, verse number 11. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen, but follow along with me. These verses are really important today. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. and Let it bring forth the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth and it was so verse 12 says and the earth brought forth grass it brought forth the herb that yields seed according to its kind and it brought forth trees that yield fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind and God saw that it was good now, let's pause here for just a moment we'll come back and pick this first chapter up in just a moment I want to sh- share a couple thoughts at creation God made it a priority and a part of creation a part of natural law to establish this principle of seed and a process of the seed bearing fruit and this is important because I'm going to bring this out in the next few minutes so Stay with me as I lay this foundation. I told first service, people say, well, you, you, you spend a lot of time with this simple stuff today. Why is that? Well, it's because I have a youth pastor on staff. And he's, he's a simple guy, and I'm trying to teach him and train him. And he's not in the room right now, but I made fun of him in first service, so i got to give you equal time and make fun of him now. I made it, make it simple so even the young people can learn and understand what we're talking about. But God establishes this law, and here's what he says. Get this. He says, I'm going to cause plants to grow, and there'll be food on those plants. And I'm going to cause trees to grow, and there'll be food on those trees. But he said, in every plant that produces food, and in every tree that produces fruit, in each of those, it will also have seed in itself that will produce after its kind. What that means is when God created corn growing on a stalk he said if you reap you harvest that corn you'll have food to eat but you'll also have seed from the kernels of corn for your next crop for the future it will keep reproducing with every harvest he said you look at the trees the fruit of the trees they have a seed inside and that seed can produce another tree For another harvest. So God is establishing this principle. And what it says is, God looked at it and said, this is good. What I have done here is good. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the natural law of the seed. The natural law of sowing and reaping. So God says this whole process, this thing is good. And he said, everything that I have created... Each one of those plants and trees has the ability to produce after its own kind. So corn produces corn. Apples will produce apples, so on and so forth. After its own kind, everything produces. Now, go down, if you would, to verse number 29 of chapter 1, because I want you to see what God says in this verse. God said, see, see, look, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Now, get this. At creation, God says to mankind, I'm going to bless you with food. Your bodies are going to need nourishment. So I'm going to bless you with food. But there's a way that this thing works. God says, I'm giving this to you. I've given you these plants with food. I've given you these trees with food. This is a blessing for you. But in this blessing, God says, I'm not only going to feed you today... But I'm going to establish a law where there is seed that comes with every harvest that needs to be planted for the future. And so this law is put in place where you receive a harvest, you have food to eat, but you also have seed to plant for the next harvest. Now, let me ask you a question today. What do you do with food? Eat it. Eat it. it. And you say, well, that's simple. I told you, I'm doing this for the youth pastors in the building, okay? You eat it. Now, first service I asked that question, what do you do with food? And there was a seven-year-old girl in the back who yelled out, you eat it. She got it. She understood. You eat it. But the next question, what do you do with seed? You plant it, you sow it for future harvests. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, if you've got your Bible, go to chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. I want you to notice what comes next in chapter 2. Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Now, we're talking about the natural law of the seed, the natural law of sowing and reaping. God creates man, he puts him in the garden, and he says, now, Adam, it's your job to take care of this. The word tend, when it says you need to tend it, the word tend means you need to work it, you need to serve it, you need to till it, you need to cultivate, care for the seed. The word keep, when he said you need to keep it, it means to guard it. To protect it and to attend to it so he lays out this natural law and says Adam here is your harvest right now for food Adam here is your seed for the future and it is your responsibility to tend to this seed and take care of this seed now everyone here today would say okay well what's that got to do with me I don't live in that society you know most of us think that corn grows on a can we go to the grocery store and pick it off the shelf or somehow some way milk it just comes you know in the carton as it is we don't think about where this comes from because most of us don't live in that agricultural world in society but if it wasn't for that agricultural world we wouldn't have our food to eat and what God established from the beginning was there's this natural law of sowing and reaping and it's always going to be around now Genesis chapter 8 Verse 22, after the flood, in the days of Noah, after the flood, here's what God said. Genesis 8, 22, While the earth remains, pause there. How many of you know the earth still remains? Okay. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night, shall not cease now let me do this in reverse order how many know we still have day and night okay how many know that we still have cold and hot days in southern california we don't get a whole lot of cold but we do get a little bit of taste of that how many of you know we, we do have winter and we do have summer god said all of those are here to stay as long as the earth remains But he also said, while the earth remains, there will also be seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Thank God for farmers. Somebody has to feed us. Thank God for farmers. And if we got any farmers in the house, thank you. So God establishes this law, and he says it's not going to cease. In other words, it is here to stay as the earth remains. But then the second part of this, there's also a spiritual law of the seed. There's a spiritual law about sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read two verses, 7 and 8. Galatians 6 verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh... Will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life now let me talk about these two verses for a minute be not deceived god is not mocked whatever a man sows he will reap now that goes back to the beginning we read it in genesis 1 genesis 2 genesis 8 god said as long as the earth remains people are going to sow people are going to reap you put corn in the ground corn's going to grow My dad passed away 14 years ago yeah 14 years ago my dad was raised on a farm after my mom passed away my dad was always looking for little things to entertain himself and uh, he, he he would grow things in his backyard he didn't have a garden area but he had a planter box he would grow stuff just to grow stuff to see if he still could because when you put seed in the ground, it grows. He knew that. So he, was, he would grow this and grow that. He raised some little animals, no different, just things to entertain himself and keep himself busy. One day I went down to see him, and uh, there were these things growing up out of the crack in the sidewalk right in front of his house. And I said, Dad, what is that going on? He said, Oh, you won't believe what happened. He said, I had an ear of corn that I kept laying around here, and it kept shucking the, you know, the pieces of the kernels off of it and messing with it and messing with it. And he said, one day I decided to wash it down on the street, so I washed it all out in the street, but a couple of kernels got stuck in the crack in the sidewalk. And he said, those are corn stalks growing there. <laughs> so I laughed and said, Dad, don't you think that's a little goofy? He said, no, no. He said, you wait and see. A few weeks later, I come back. Dad's got these corn stalks growing this high in his sidewalk. And they got ears of corn coming up on them. And I said, Dad, what are you doing out on the sidewalk doing this? He said, I get out here every morning when the kids are going to school and every afternoon when they're going home. And I won't let them tear them down because I want to show them where corn comes from because they don't know. One time I went to his house, he had cotton growing in the front yard. I said, why are you growing cotton? He said, I want these kids to see where cotton comes from. They didn't believe it grew in a bush. Now, I share this for a reason. You put seed in the ground and you water it, and it's going to grow. It's a law that's always here. And what Paul is saying here in Galatians 6 is when a man sows something, he's going to reap it in the natural. But then in the next verse, he says, What you sow spiritually, you'll also reap spiritually. There is a spiritual law of seed. And the way he expressed it was, if you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh things that are going to fade away, corrupt, and die out and be gone in a period of time. But if you sow to the Spirit, you reap things that never die, that live forever and ever and ever, that just keep bringing blessing into your life. Amen. Amen. Now here's what I want you to notice about this. Paul talked about these laws He said there's a natural law but then there's a spiritual law too it works the same way you sow you tend it you reap paul said two things he said number one do not be deceived do not be deceived we live in an age of deception there is so much deception so many half truths out there it's at a place in our land when you don't You don't hardly know who's telling the truth about anything anymore. You just don't know. There's so much deception. The Bible tells us in the last days there'll be a spirit of deception and the enemy will be trying to work even to deceive the people of God. And there are a lot of people in the church world being deceived today about things because they don't know the truth. Now stay with me. I'm not being critical. I'm just laying out truth for you. Paul said don't be deceived If you sow something, you're going to reap that. He also said, don't be deceived. If you let people sow things into your life and you embrace those seeds, those seeds are also going to produce something in your life. But then he also said this, the second thing. He said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. The word mocked, you know what it means? It means to make faces at somebody. You know, have, have you ever, do you ever tell your kid, I raised two boys, have you ever tell your kid, you're not going to do that, I said you're not, and you better not do it or you're going to get in trouble, and you turn to walk away and you look back real quick and your kid's going, <laughs> <clears throat> or have you ever had somebody say something to you and you just looked at and they walked away and you go, see, Paul was saying, don't be deceived about the law of sowing and reaping. Don't be be deceived about it naturally. Don't be deceived spiritually. But he was also saying, when you think God's finished talking, don't shake your head and make faces at God and say, I ain't buying this. Because whether I like it or not, the law of the seed works. What you sow, you're going to reap. What you allow people to sow into your life and you embrace, you're going to reap a harvest of that. So Paul said, don't be deceived, don't mock God. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you ever mock the idea of sowing corn and reaping corn? We wouldn't mock that, because we know it works. Then why would we mock God? Why would we question God when God says, this is what's going to happen in your lives? Don't mock God, don't ignore God's spiritual laws. Because see, I can choose to ignore God's laws But that doesn't stop the seed I sow from producing a harvest I can say I'm not gonna believe that I'm just gonna leave it alone I'm neutral in this it doesn't matter but the seed that's sown there is going to grow and we need to understand that so why would God make this point why would Paul write these words why would God give us this in the Old Testament and the New Testament it's because he's wanting to sow seed into our lives that brings Harvest over and over and over again and brings a lifestyle that's better than the lifestyle we would have without him God's trying to get blessing into our lives, but the kingdom of God and God's blessings generally comes a tiny seed and we have to Receive them nurture them and then be patient until they grow Now let's go to the second part of this message Isaiah 55 I'm going to show you how this works Isaiah 55, verse number 8. This first part's really familiar. Verses 8 and 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, what is God telling us here? God is saying, I think differently than the natural carnal man. Can I get a bobblehead this morning? God says, You know what? You're of a fallen nature. You don't know everything I know. I think differently than you think. He said, My thoughts are not your thoughts. And as a result, my ways are not your ways because our thoughts direct our ways, our paths. And God says we think differently, we tend to act differently. But God said you need to understand. And friend, I'm going to tell you, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in following God, not as being a pastor, it's just following God, is to realize His ways are above my ways. They're up there. They're not down here. And I'll get back to this in just a minute. But God's ways are higher than my ways. And His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But God gives us his word so we can begin to understand his thoughts, so we can begin to travel in his pathways, make his thoughts and his ways ours, and then as a result, we reap amazing blessing in our lives because we're walking the paths of God. Now, let me show you the contrast of this. I spent a lot of years in my younger years in ministry, I spent a lot of years trying to convince God to think like me and do things the way I wanted it done some of you are laughing but some of you aren't laughing because you're doing the same thing even now if I can just convince God to do what I want everything's going to be okay and it's not the truth Because God's trying to convince us by planting seed in our hearts that if we'll think like Him and if we'll walk His ways, His harvest will come into our lives. Now, let me back up a minute. We got into this last week. I think it was Luke 12 is where I read it. It's also in Matthew 6. Jesus said don't worry about the basic necessities of life the things that grow on the plants and the stuff that grows on the tree the stuff that you need to live Jesus said don't worry about those things but seek the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you What he's saying is learn to think as God thinks walk in his ways and the blessings you desire and need in life God will pour into your life. That's what scripture teaches Jesus taught that And yet a lot of us are still trying to convince God to do this and do this. And Oh, God, if you just just one time let me win the lottery, I won't have to trust you and believe you anymore and life will be great. And you keep buying those tickets. Or some of you are not even buying tickets and you're hoping you win the lottery. But it doesn't work. (laughs) Because we're trying to convince God to think the way we think and to travel in our paths. And God says, my ways are up here. You need to learn to trust me. Because I'm trying to sow seed into your life. If we can learn God's thoughts and follow His ways, we can have God's results in our lives. Now, the next verse is here. i got to move quick. Isaiah 55. Verse 10. Here's what God says. He's going to explain this. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but they water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now, pause here a moment because he's in the middle of a statement. There's a comma there, but I want to explain this. God says to us, look at the natural law. I put this law in place. I told you to put the seed in the ground, take care of it, and I will send snow and I will send rain to bring water to water those seeds and make them grow so you will have bread for food and you'll have seed to sow in the future. God says, I make that natural law happen. But notice what he says in the next verse, verse 11. So, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So what God's saying here is, in the same way that the natural law of seed works, I send my word to be spiritual seed in your lives to accomplish what I say it will accomplish. Now, think about that. God says, I'm going to give you my word as seed, it's the seed of the kingdom. It's what I'm willing to do in your life. It's what I want to do in your life. The question is, will you accept my word and accept my seed and let it be sown into your hearts and begin to believe it and embrace it? That's what God is saying here. It's the spiritual law. It works the same way as the natural law. So when I read this, God says, I'm going to do things in your life. And it's written right there in my word. And from time to time, my spirit will speak to you and guide you into the things I want to do for you. And everything I say I'm going to do, I'm going to do. So you need to believe it. What do I do with the seed of God's word if I believe it? I plant it in good soil. I make sure it gets water. I make sure there aren't weeds and things growing around it to interrupt it, and I wait, and I'm patient, and in time, I reap the harvest and the blessing. God does exactly what he said he would do in my life. It's this process. Now, let me show you this from the New Testament, slightly different light, because like I said, I'm still laying a foundation today, but this this is heading towards the end of my message, so stay with me. John chapter 6 Jesus is talking to his disciples because there's a big discussion and argument going on with the Pharisees. Jesus has said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that came down from heaven and you eat my flesh and drink my blood and man, they're all struggling with it and and people are beginning to leave and walk away from Jesus and the disciples said, look at they're walking away. And so Jesus just calms things down. And a part of what he says in verse 63, John chapter six, verse 63, Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life the flesh profits nothing but then notice what he says the words that i speak to you they are spirit and they are life see in the old testament god said in the same way the natural law works the spiritual law works the same way and my word is seed for your life my word is seed for your life what does jesus say jesus said the words that i speak they are spirit in their life. Now why would I stress this? It's because a lot of us, we sit down to read the Bible and what do we think? That's ink on a page. It's just information. Jesus said it's spirit and it's life. It's not dead dry ink on a page. It's alive. It's spirit and it's life. It's of the spirit of God and it brings the spirit life of God to us. So I need to embrace it. As seed. It changes how I see the word of God. Let's do one more. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Very familiar verse. For the word of God is living and powerful. You know why I read this book almost every morning of my life, first thing? You know why that is? Because it's not dead ink on a page. It's alive. And it's powerful. It is seed. And it has the ability to do everything that God says it will do. Everything God says to grow something great in my life, it's in that seed, but I need to accept that seed and embrace it and let God work in my life. It's alive and it's powerful. Let's read on. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing or dividing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, when I read the word of God, it is so sharp, it is alive, that it'll slice and dice and it'll show me, you're wrong here, Gary. That's all natural thinking. Here's the spirit of God. Here's how God's spirit works. It'll speak to me. It'll show me where my thinking is out of line with God and where God wants to align me with his word. That's what the word of God is supposed to do in our lives. It's seed to change us off of a wrong path to get us on God's path. What is God's path? It's his way, his ways. God said, my ways are not your ways, but my word will put you on my path and into my ways. One more thing I'm gonna show you. 2 Timothy 3. And I told you I got a lot of verses to show you. This is the last thing we're gonna read. 2 Timothy 3. Paul's writing to this young minister, Timothy, and he says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In the original writings, what it says is all scripture is God-breathed. It's not the ideas of people, dried ink on a page. It's it's God-breathed. God's word are spirit. They are God breathe and you can read this and say well, that's just information to put between my ears or you can say This is seed to plant in my life that will change the course of my life and make my life more of what God wants it to be But notice what he says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable The seed of the word is profitable. It'll do things. What will it do? It brings doctrine for reproof it brings correction It brings instruction in righteousness that the child of God, the son, the daughter of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, let me walk you through this real fast because I'm almost finished. The word of God is God-breathed. It's spiritual seed. It will teach me God's thoughts and God's ways. It brings doctrine, which means good teaching. It teaches me, shows me the thoughts and the ways of God. Second thing, he says, it will convince me of truth. Boy, in this age we live in today, we need to know what's truth and what's deception. The word of God will reveal truth to us. Can I I be real ornery for just a minute? I have an extra 30 seconds to do this. Actually, I'm going to take an extra 30 seconds to do this. Some of us need to turn off our favorite news network and start reading the Bible if you want to know what the truth is. And I don't care which networks you're listening to. Everybody's got an agenda. And there's a lot of deception going on. People wanting us to think the way they they think. You know what? I want to think the way God thinks. Because it's truth. And God's word leads me into that truth. Next thing it says, God's word is seed and it will correct me. I'd rather have God correct me than people correct me. I'd rather have God correct me now than me stand before him someday and him shake his head and say, I don't know why you wouldn't listen. Sometimes I'll read a scripture and God just speaks real clearly and says, you're wrong here, you've been on this side, you need to get on this side. God's word will correct us. And the last thing he says, God's word is seed and it will train me how to live a godly life. It'll shape my life. It'll help me live a godly life. Why? To make our lives complete. To equip us, to train us for the future. To help others. God's word is seed. In closing today, like I said, this is the second part of the foundation of this series. But I want to come back to this. God is continually... Constantly dropping seed into our lives, trying to influence and shape our futures. You know, I don't want to say this the wrong way, so God helped me say it right. But you know what? Some of us are just kind of thrown our lives up in the world and say, well, up in the air and say, well, it's going to be whatever it is. God's just going to make everything happen the way He had planned it for it to happen. Are you kidding me? In the garden, he didn't do that. He gave man instructions and then let man make his choices. God gives us choices. He says, take this seed, plant it in your heart, let me work. Or you can go do your own thing. But whichever way you go, there's a harvest going to come from that seed. It may be good, it may be bad, it may be mediocre. But friend, God has better plans for us than we have for ourselves. And God is constantly dropping seeds into our lives, trying to shape and influence our futures. A few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, and if the, and if the lady's here in the building, I may not get the details just right because she told me the story after service, and I talked to several people, I may not have it all all the little details, but I got the big story right. lady was sitting in service, and for some period of time, she'd been having problems with, with pain in her head, and hearing issues problem with her ears and she had this pain and she said it got to the place where it just consumed my life and she said I believe God I trust God but this thing just this pain and this this problem with my hearing it was just devouring me and it was so consuming my life and she said I'm sitting in church and all I can think about is this pain in my head and my ears and the issues I'm dealing with and she said I, I'm not even paying attention to the message and she said all of a sudden you said something about you know what Just lay down everything else and just put it in the hands of God and let him work. And she said, I just stopped for a minute and said, God, I'm tired of wrestling with this. I'm so distracted, I can't even listen to the sermon. God, I'm going to lay this stuff in your lap. I'm going to give it to you. God, I refuse to continue to worry about this. I'm going to give it to you and let you work it out. And she said, as soon as I prayed that in my heart, she said, bam, my head stopped hurting and my ears cleared up and all of a sudden I could hear because I received the seed of the word. I'm, I'm not talking about magic. I'm talking about believing what God said in his word and letting him work the way he said he would work in our lives. Receiving God's seed. So in closing, one question. Ask yourself, what am I doing with God's seed? What am I doing with what God thinks and what God says? What am I doing with it? Am I receiving it? Am I believing it and nurturing it? Am I watering it and waiting for it? Am I patient, waiting to God, for God to finish what he started? What am I doing with God's seed? Because what happens with God's seed is on me. What I do with God's seed will nurture it and grow it or I cast it aside and I walk into a different harvest in my I want to pray for you today. I think God's speaking to people all over this room. So if you would, bow your heads for a moment. Let's just have a moment with God. I know the Holy Spirit has already prepared our hearts, but right there where you are, just bow your heads. I want to pray for you. Father, I, I thank you for these precious people with whom I get to speak every week. Here in the building, those online, and later on, those that'll listen to the podcast. Father, I thank you that you're using this word To get our attention because it's seed that we need to receive and nurture and be patient with it's seed that can change our lives it's seed that will produce a harvest but god draw my attention not to the short-term miracle of what i want right now but draw my attention to what you're trying to do in me the processes you're trying to begin and nurture in my life God, all of this room, I pray you'd speak to everybody here about where they are, about what you want to do for them, and in them, and through them. And open our hearts to your word, to the promises of your word. And God, help us to wrap our hearts around the seed of your word. For I ask it in Jesus' name. While heads are still bowed, for just one more moment. Maybe you're here today in the building or maybe you've been watching online today or listening to the podcast of this. And maybe while you've listened to this, maybe there's some things going on in your heart and you're realizing, you know, I I don't really walk with God. I don't really know God. I don't follow God. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you haven't begun to let him become the Lord of your life. But maybe you're realizing now, I I need, I need to let God in. I want to help you today. The most important prayer we ever pray in our entire lives is to ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts, to be, to be our Savior, and then learn to let Him to become the Lord of our lives. It's the most important decision we ever make. And Maybe you're at a place today where you realize, I need to let God in. Friend, our sins, our failures separate us from God, but Jesus died to span the gulf between us and God to bring us into relationship with God. We need to accept what he did on the cross for us. We need to embrace the Savior and then choose to let him become the Lord of our lives. And maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart today and you're realizing, I I need God's help. I want God's help. This whole thing starts with a prayer, with us saying, God, please help me. I receive your help. I, I want your help. God doesn't need you to figure out the rest of your life and eternity. He just needs you to figure out this moment and start right here. So I want to I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in this room today, please pray this with me right out loud. You don't need to yell and scream the words, but at least whisper the words out loud. If you're watching at home or listening on a podcast, pray this with us. Everybody pray this prayer. Say God, I need you. I open my heart to you. I need you in my life. I accept Jesus as my savior what he did on the cross is full payment for all my sin and i choose jesus to become the lord of my life teach me your ways plant new seeds in my heart i want your blessing from this moment forward you'll be my god i'll be your child thank you for receiving me I'm yours, and you're mine. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I just want to say one more time. That's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. But I want to welcome you to the family of God. You're just as saved. You're just as much a part of God's family right now as you'll ever be. So open your heart. Embrace him. Let him begin to work in your life. Can we welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. Now, there's two or three things we need to do before we go today. I've used up most of my time, but I'm going to move really fast. But I want to do a couple things. If you prayed that prayer, it's not the end of the journey. Receiving Christ as your Savior is the beginning of the journey. God wants to get involved in your life. we got a little tool called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple little booklet that'll just give you information to help you start learning the thoughts and the ways of God. We want to give it to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams on each side of the building down front. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. If you're in a really big rush, as you exit the lobby, in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there. You can stop by there and get the same booklet. Just ask for it. They'll give it to you there the next seven days. If you're watching online, there should be instructions on your screen right now as to how you can also get the same information. We'll send you an electronic file. Just follow the instructions. We want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you today. God bless you. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. I'm excited about this series because we're going to see how God's seed will bless every area of our life over the next few weeks. So I'm excited to share more about this. But there's a couple things I want to do before we go. Number one, I have a some family business to take care of how many of you like family business it's not gossip I'm not talking about that I'm talking about good good family business um, a few weeks ago our children's pastor resigned he, he moved out of state and a lot of people who are involved in bridge kids ministry are wondering well, where, where do we go next uh, some are wondering what are we going to do about leadership let me say a couple of things first of all the system we have in place will be the same through the rest of this year We're making no major changes anywhere right now. Everything is still in place. Thanks to faithful people serving there and making a difference in kids' lives, it'll continue to go forward. So that's the first part. But January 1st of this year, while I was having my quiet time in the morning, God spoke something so clearly to me. He said, for the Bridge Church, this is going to be a year of design and redesign. Let me know change was coming. And we've seen a good deal of change this year on a lot of fronts. But here's the thing. After a lot of prayer, thinking about this, praying about this, a lot of discussion, we've come to, I believe, some real clear direction for our church. Uh, you know, our youth ministry is just booming. It, it is going so well. I mean, God's doing great things out there in spite of Corey. I mean, it's amazing what, what God's doing. No, I'm kidding. Corey and Amber are doing a great job ministering to our kids. Give them a big hand; they're doing a fabulous job, and I am so proud of them. And they're just growing and growing and growing. And I and you know you you only see Corey when he's up here a little bit here and there. Uh, I see him day by day. Corey is growing so much in God. I'm so excited about the future. But God, God spoke something real clearly to us, and Amber. Is our office manager. She's really involved in the administrative side of the church, but she's also involved with Corey with youth. But she's got a heart to be more involved in the ministry side. So, what we're doing as of today, we're making the announcement. Our children's workers already know this. Those who are involved in ministry, their Bridge Kids leaders, know this already. Corey and Amber are going to become our next generation pastors. We're going to call them next gen pastors. And they're going to be overseeing everything that has to do with the next generation all the way through to young adults. So it'll have one continuity that oversees the whole program, which means we'll have to be doing some restaffing bringing in the right pieces to work with them it's not going in any way to negatively affect youth ministry that's Corey's first drive but amber's going to be stepping in more into these other areas and helping there and like i said we're going to be doing some redesigning with our whole staff and our whole team and, and i'm so excited about the future so we've got next generation pastors Corey and amber white cory Amber, stand if you would give them one more good hand this morning So on Sunday mornings, if you have kids and you bring your kids in, Corey and Amber will be out there in the lobby. After service, they'll be out there in the lobby. If you need anything, you can see them. And I'm going to tell you something. I am so excited. We're already talking vision for the next season of Bridge Kids and the Bridge Church. I'm excited about the continuity we're going to establish. Instead of having separate ministries, it'll have one flow from the time they're babies until they're adults. It's going to be awesome because they have a heart to develop the next generation to follow Jesus. And that's what we're about here at the Bridge Church. So I'm excited. Last thing, and again, thank you for being so patient today but I need to do this family business. Last thing is this is the time of service where we give. And I've been talking to you about Africa and our trip there. And and I I told you a little bit, let me just say this real quickly. Um, The several days we were in Africa, we visited a ministry that feeds children every week. And we we ministered there and spoke there. We went to a village up in the hills, outside of Nairobi, an hour, hour and a half up up, up in the hills away from Nairobi. We did a two days pastor's conference and we had 80 or 90 pastors and pastor's wives there for this conference from all kinds of different denominational backgrounds. And it was amazing. We just taught God's word and principles of pastoring to those people. It was a great time. It went over so well, was greatly received. Then the next day we dedicated a church there in the village of Illumia. It's, it's the Macau's or, or Harrison Macau's home village. We dedicated a church there that we had a hand in helping build and we had an amazing six-hour church service and i'm telling you the truth six-hour church service and i only had to go out and go to the bathroom one time during the service it was an amazing miracle that day i mean it was great we had a church service six-hour dedication service we planted some trees there to commemorate the occasion had a great time then we traveled over to the coast when we arrived there we went and visited a church that You guys paid for and built this year through your giving in the village of Godo. And I told you some great things last week. God's done some new things this week. It's amazing what God's doing in Godo because of your faithfulness and giving. And then after that, we went and visited another church that God is growing in a very difficult area where there's so much opposition. But God's called a man and his family there, and they're building a great church, and we'll hear more about that in the future. Uh, We went and visited the water well that we helped build. Uh, build at at a village. I mean, we had a great trip, and all of that I say to say this, your faithfulness in giving is not just hitting Myriad and Temecula, it's actually wrapping around the globe. And I want you to watch this two-minute video. It just shows you some clips from Africa to know how you're making a difference in the world. You've got a hand in all of that, and I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving, building new churches, water wells, touching kids' lives, touching pastors. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Very last thing. Did you notice the chicken in there? They were carrying the chicken by its legs, and then they showed you the... What they do is a lot of those people live in the villages, they live off the land. Their crops, their, what they could grow, their, the, the animals they have. So what Christians will do in those churches is when they don't have money... They will bring their animals, their crops to church and give it as an offering. And then they'll auction it off during the church service to bring in money for the church. And I just want to say, as those people are learning to give, they're learning it from your generosity. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. You are touching the world. God bless you. So today before you give there are a number of ways you can give i just want to say thank you for your giving i'm not begging i'm not asking for anything you just follow what god puts in your heart if you want to give a physical gift today there are envelopes in the back of the chairs there are two giving stations one on each side of those exit doors right there as you leave the auditorium there's also a giving station in the children's area god bless you for your faithfulness pastor cory and amber why don't you guys head on out to the lobby so that if you have any questions or you just want to say hi to them and meet them maybe for the first time talk about your kids we can have them there ready. God bless you. We love you guys. I'm excited about our future together. Have a great, great Sunday.